or front of an actual ship mm-hmm. in like Master and Commander or something and I've got like a 40 foot Les Miserables flag with the film show on it and I'm like follow me I'm Owen Ronane by the way uh, I'm joined as always by Brian Lloyd and Dee Malumby you are joined by us <laughs> Wait, how are you guys it's funny you say flagship because I just think of the Enterprise is I it the flagship? That is the flagship of the of Starfleet. Yeah. It's not. It is, yeah. The it's USS not. Enterprise. It is, yeah. It's I suppose flagship. I'm more old school. I literally just think of a ship with a flag waving. With a big flag. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But then you, you but then you're the big Star Trek nerd. So that yeah. would make sense that that would be your go-to reference. Yeah. I mean, then again you could think of yeah, you could think of like a big lame is. Yeah. Treasure Island. That's how they used to communicate, of, isn't it? They'd have the They'd run up the flag, flags. yeah. Yeah, very difficult. I was thinking send. even pirates, pirates of the Caribbean, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I I like pirate it, yeah. flag. I do love a good Jolly Roger. I don't know why, uh, yeah. but I do like it. <laughs> and I, I'm not into pirates at all. I Did you even... enjoy the Pirates of the Caribbean? I didn't enjoy them at all. Any of them? Any no, of them were swashbuckling one. enough for you. Oh no, I loved the first. All the others can go to hell. No, but I loved the first. But the the last one particularly annoyed me. Yeah, because no. it was like leaning in on. It's it has all your favorite characters from the first one, and then they basically shot all over that, <laughs> which really really bothered me. Um, so yeah, I hope that they leave well enough alone because <laughs> Johnny Depp ru- kind of ruined it for me in the later yeah, movies. Yeah. Um, but I do love the first one; it holds a special place in my heart, and I still sometimes go back and rewatch it. And was there any flagship usage for communication in the movies? Oh God, I wouldn't know enough about it. Uh, well, they question, uh, don't do they raise up the um, Jolly Roger when they're about to attack? Isn't that kind of the basic yeah, it's thing? Black sails, I have yeah. a feeling like if I was on QI, then the klaxon would go off, uh, and they'd be oh, like, they "No, you did. are incorrect." Yeah. I always just um, remember the uh, Anglo-Irish Duke of Wellington. Uh, what was it? They had a battle and he <laughs> it's still like seen as like the most uh, of British uh, statement of all time. The was, of they were outnumbered at the Battle of Trafalgar and he posted a thing on the flag saying, uh, what is it? The kingdom expects that each man will do his duty. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very, that's so British. Yeah, let's I just get away from that. Yeah. Get away from like that five, I feel like five minutes more and they would try to colonize this podcast. So let's just <laughs> let's just leave that alone. And I see Charlotte, who is English, yeah. had a little Producer chunk of Charlotte, that bear is. the brunt. Okay, we have plenty to get through this week, including The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss, that remake. We've got Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo. I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to seeing what you thought of that. And Downhill, which is an American remake of Force Majeure, Majeure, which is one of the few movies I have seen and loved. Right. And I had no idea until today that they remade it. Yeah. Uh, Oh. All right, we've all had to get through. We also have an Elizabeth Moss interview, which we'll be playing out too. Was so it's you, Jammers packed. Yeah, it is me. That's why I got in my own plug. <laughs> Delighted. All right, it's time for movie news. Movie news. 
movie news. I am very excited about this one. Brian, you are going to give us a little bit of a rundown about a film that is coming out. And it's called... I can't remember, but it's the Sopranos prequel. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> wow, I was totally blank in there. I was like, what? Newark something? Many the Saints. Many Saints of Newark. Yes. Uh, there is an article that was published yesterday on entertainment.ie. It's a serious good write-up. Yeah, a big write-up about basically about everything we know about the Many Saints of Newark. Now, the film isn't out until September, but there hasn't been one trailer, one mm. teaser, one anything about it. And it's all shot. And it's, it's done. like Yeah, it? it's done and dusted. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a plenty of behind the scenes footage uh, from the shooting that they did uh, during the summer that was the first I got excited you saw James Gandolfini's son Michael. as young James Gandolfini yeah. and he, as Tony Soprano and it's exactly what you would have pictured he's got the like long hair but it's Tony like yeah it's perfect and he looks kind of goofy and he's all like kind of like big broad shouldered kind of like kid lumping around the place because a brick yeah, and he's yeah, a bit of a prick, yeah. Um and he's brilliant like he, Michael Gandolfini, he's a great actor. I would rem- mm. recommend to anybody to watch uh, The Deuce, which is David Simon's uh series oh, about the porn cast industry. Him in it. He cast him in it, yeah. What age the, is he? He's like I want to say 20. Oh, that young, right? He's young enough like, yeah, he's young enough, but um he really is brilliant in The Deuce and yeah, so uh essentially what's going on with this is, is that it's out uh, in September. Uh, John Burenthal is going to play Tony Soprano's father, Johnny Boy Soprano. I Corey... remember hearing about Johnny Boy in the yeah, show. That's, that's crazy. I know, no, I was I, like... I'm hoping this is what all the listeners who saw the Sopranos are feeling like. Right I tell you, like, you know, you give me grief for being a giant Star Wars fan and a Star Trek fan. Yeah. Oh, no. I am 20 times worse when it comes to the Sopranos. Oh, God. And let me tell you how <laughs> awful I am about the Sopranos. No. I am absolutely going to rock up to the Irish premiere in cosplay as Holly Walnuts. <laughs> I am going to have a shell tracksuit with the wife with the with the vest, gold chain. I'm going to slick my hair back, and I'm going to put in the, the white wing tips. the wing tips. Yeah, can I come too? And I'm going to have like the little pinky ring, and it'd be going around giving yeah, it's it's, the. It's, it's the loose wrist it's, when he points. Yeah, but but the, you're going to have to share a picture of this because I do not believe for a second you're actually going to do this. Absolutely, unless do you this. take unless I see photographic evidence. I am, you outside the cinema. Have you seen The Sopranos D? I haven't t- actually. Really? Oh, wow. I, I, I might, but you know what? I might go check it out before because like I've heard so much about it being like yeah. one of the greatest TV series of all time, basically. Yeah. Um, From I, a screenwriting yeah. perspective yeah. and everything. It's yeah. Still... I have I have a few on my list that I'm like, you know, major TV shows that I've never seen and like top them as like Sopranos, Seinfeld and Parks and Rec. Oh my yeah. God. So, but I've gotten through, like, I, I've gotten through them kind of over the years. Like, I saw How I Met Your Mother. I saw all of Breaking Bad. Okay, So I yeah. am getting through my list slowly It'd be but similar steadily. to Breaking Bad in that there's probably a lot to it. But, mm. you yeah. Know, I mean, I, I just want us all three to dress up. That's why I'm asking. I, yeah, no, totally. Oh, like Tony. <laughs> once, once I know the reference of what yeah. I'm dressing What up you're going as. for. Yeah, yeah. It could be like, my mam. Yeah, you could be like, yeah, like, all you need is like a bowling shirt. Yeah. And like a gold shirt. Leather a gold, jacket. Yeah, a leather jacket and a gold bracelet. Um, all I need is like the cell, uh, shell suit and like the, the slick back the hair. That's so sick. But the thing, the key to Polly Walnuts, right, <laughs> is when you point, you have to have the pinky out like that. Yeah. The pinky, the pinky must be extended like that. Index at the person, pinky, yeah. pinky in the region of... In the region. So you're pointing like this, like... 
That's we'll get a gif up on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, we'll get a gif up and it's just like that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to need the gif yeah. for context because you're describing this and I'm just thinking for anyone listening, they're going to they're gonna be like trying to do it with their hand and be like, what? Yeah, so it's make a fist. If you think you've got it, you've got it. Yeah, I mean, make <laughs> yeah. a fist, point the in, point the uh, the index finger and then your pinky is yeah. is out like that. And that's hey, Tom. Kind of a 90 degree, like, yeah. Don't you get... <laughs> I was going to say... That bit's going to need work. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> No, no, like I've got... All, yeah, but anyways, uh, many things... Tell us about the casting because I couldn't believe... I know... So it's rare that you've got you've got all these characters from a show you loved mm. and then they start casting each of them as their younger selves mm. and they're all perfect. Yeah, they really, really are. Like I said, Michael Gandolfini is going to play Tony Soprano uh, as a teenager. Uh, Silvio Dante, who was played in the original series by Steve Van Zandt, who people will know from the E Street Band. Yeah. He's going to be played by a guy called John Magaro, who people will know from Orange is the New Black. Uh, he was in The Big Short. Uh, he was also in the Umbrella Academy. You'll yes, definitely, he's yeah. one of those actors. The he's minute one of those you see, him, yeah, the minute you see him, you'd know him. Uh, John Burnthal, as I said, he's going to play uh, Johnny Boy Soprano. Yeah. We've got Co- Junior. Is Junior the- is going to be played by Corey Stahl, who people will know from Ant Man. They'll know him from House of Cards. House of Cards. He's really good. As really, well. really good actor. Yeah, really, really good actor. Vera Farmiga is going to play Livia Soprano. Now that's going to be really interesting, and I'll tell you why because. Um, the actor who played Livia Soprano originally was a woman called Nancy Marchand. Oh, yeah. And the woman... Tony! Yeah. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> loves me! Like, she was just this absolute black hole of hatred. Yeah. And just, like... But that was always, like, the basically the whole show was that she was mm. a sociopath. Yeah. And didn't love her son and... Had all these paranoias and stuff, and then that led to that led to his trauma, and it kind of went on from that. I can't um, wait to delve into that. Like, I know I'm really, I'm really, really fascinated to see what they're going to do with this. I have a sneaky, sneaky suspicion that this is going to be a backdoor pilot. And what a backdoor <gasps> pilot is for anyone who doesn't know is a backdoor pilot is if they had a big TV series, um, they would make one episode that would act as a pilot, and then they would gauge the interest from that one episode oh. of whether they'd make a spin-off. So there's like a feature-length first episode for Correct. a new spin-off, you think? Yeah. Interesting. It would not wow. surprise me in the slightest if it turned out that they were going to make this into a TV series. Well, we'll keep abreast of it. We have till September now. Mm. We'll get some photos soon, Oh, definitely. Surely. There'll be a trailer soon enough. There has to be a trailer soon enough. Like, All right, we've got lots to get through, so we're going to dive into some movie reviews. Movie reviews. All right, first up, The Invisible Man. Mm. A remake. Yeah, Is it this better than the weird Kevin Bacon thing as well. Hollow Man. <laughs> I loved Hollow Man. I don't. I like Hollow Man is so cheesy '90s awfulness. Yeah. Um. But I always kind of appreciated Hollow Man for two reasons. Number one, I thought Kevin Bacon was having the time of his life playing the Hollow Man. And secondly, I loved how it so was so blatantly leaning into its time period, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, the Invisible Man, though, is totally different. Um, the Invisible Man really kind of turns it more into a kind of psychological thriller about uh, domestic abuse. Yeah, yeah, I saw I, that from the trailer. Yeah, even. yeah, yeah. So essentially what's going on is Elizabeth Moss is, is, has been in this relationship with a guy called Adrian Griffin, who's played by Oliver Jackson Cohen. People will know him from The Haunting of Hill House. Mm -hmm. Yes. He is basically this tech bro billionaire, um, this optics 
genius. Uh, she runs out of him in the middle Where's of the night. Where's this going? <laughs> well, wouldn't you know it? She runs out of him in the middle of the night. Then two weeks. really intense. Yeah, it's really, really, really fucking intense. So she runs out on him. Uh, she he chases after her in this really, really like like terror filled sequence. He's abusive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two weeks later, he commits suicide, and as part of his will, she gives he gives her what was it like five million over four Something years? Something like that. It was yeah, some yeah. huge amount of money, but it was contingent on uh, her not being imprisoned. Are not being ruled as insane. Wow. And then, of course, weird shit starts happening in her house. Oh, like, my God. And it starts off really well because it's kind of <laughs> innocuous at first. Like, she's make, basically making, like, a fry-up for breakfast. And she goes off to do something. And the cooker just turns up to full blast. Yes. And the thing catches fire. And it gets progressively worse and worse and worse. But really what it's about is, is the fact that, you know, for... People in domestic uh, domestic relationships where it becomes abusive, it's that thing of gaslighting. It's that like okay, yeah. you're made to think you're going crazy, that you know you're imagining these things, or that the way they treat you is completely normal when yeah. it's actually not at all. And the film really does play with that idea of even though he's invisible, it's the sort of thing of like no one else believes mm. her. You know that kind of way, like isn't yeah. I just disagree, but go on. No, but for, no, but for a lot of people in for a lot of people in domestic uh, abuse cases, it's the thing of like, oh, he was really nice to me. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that he was like that. You've nothing mm. else to bounce off, or yeah. whatever. So yeah, yeah. Whereas at home, it's like you know, street angel, house devil. Like when they mm. get behind closed doors, they're absolute monsters. Yeah. And this is the similar kind of thing of the invisible man is actually invisible in this, whereas in real life in domestic abuse cases. He's invisible in that he hides this monster. That's such side. an interesting mechanic. That's how, never, I, that's how yeah. I viewed it. Like, I didn't enjoy I'm, it as much, Dean. I don't know. I think a lot of people have viewed it as such, but I also think, and I do expect that that was what the um, script was getting at, but I also think that it was kind of done in such a like, I don't know, minimal kind of way that people are giving it more credit than it's due. I think ultimately it's still just a horror movie. It's just really? a straight up horror that's leaning on very typical horror conventions. I also had a big... Uh, so for me, I suppose the reason why I gave it three stars ultimately was that I thought that there were parts in it that were really done very well like that introductory scene yeah. and everything and there are a couple of twists and turns Gen genuinely didn't see coming that I was like oh holy shit what's going to happen after that you know I didn't I didn't know that was going to happen yeah. um, which I think that you get very rarely with these kind of films you kind of know what beats they're going to hit but I still felt like in relation to the whole domestic abuse and gaslighting thing I know people are like oh it's such a an interesting powerful commentary on that but I think it was kind of using that very kind of minimally as kind of a jump off point but ultimately it was a straight up horror and as a straight up horror I didn't think it was particularly kind of convincing either and I think that a big um, issue in that regard was the design of the invisible man himself so a lot of like horror movies suffer from this issue that once the monster is actually revealed you know and Jaws is kind of an infamous case of this yeah. he's not actually scary looking and I got that from the invisible man like at one point there's kind of this invisible wrestling scene with Elizabeth Moss and sure. even though they're booming the soundtrack at you and everything I was like this just looks kind of silly really? and gimmicky really? yeah, yeah yeah whereas I you were very Oh, no. sold on it it's, I, yeah. it seems to have split audiences I feel like a lot of people are 
getting like what Brian's getting from it. Like, yeah. whoa, this is so like powerful and clever the way it was done. And then a lot of people have been like me too and that they're just a bit underwhelmed. I do think that the majority have kind of found themselves in Brian's camp, which is great. You know, I kind of feel like, you know, any, you know, skillful movie if you see it as skillful you know it deserves a lot of credit but for me watching it I was just, just a little underwhelmed or, you know, yeah it was a bit formulaic and I just thought that it could have pushed the boundaries harder yeah you know I thought that it could have leaned heavier into that whole domestic abuse gaslighting thing I mean for me the whole the movie that still has been the ultimate in relation to the whole gaslight thing is the original gaslight with um, Ingrid Bergman yeah. you know mm. like no movie has done that idea better and that's where the you term actually, yeah, yeah, well that's yeah. where the term comes from is that um, movie in the 1930s I mm. want to say um, but it's it's an excellent movie. It's so, so well done in that. And that whole one is like uh, with a, a horror with like a ghost yeah. and everything. Um, with this but, one, does it take for granted that, you know, oh, shit, there's an invisible dude in there within the first 15 minutes or what? Like, no, I mean, it's it's done very the fact that it's not supernatural and it's not sort of like um it's not mystical or anything. It's not mystical or anything like that. And the well, I- we don't know that. That could be a spoiler. Well, yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, but I mean, it's. I would. What I would say is, is that it is very grounded. It is a very grounded horror. Although idea. it is a stretch as well. <laughs> but like optics technologies. Yeah, that's it. Like nano I mean, machines. Yeah, like that. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> it's that kind of buzz. Like, and you're kind of like, okay, yeah, sure, all right. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I really was thinking. I will. T- I mean, there are problems with it. Sure, like it does take a long while to get going. I do feel that there are certain parts of the film that mm. you're kind of like, ah, that's a little bit obvious. And it's long. It's like and it's, two hours long. Yeah, yeah. I didn't and think it, it needed to be that long. It was it was kind of a strong opening and then a strong third half. Yeah, third act. must third be a lot of heavy lifting um, yeah. for Elizabeth Moss, isn't it? But <laughs> she, <laughs> like she completely carries own. it, though. I mean, really? she is phenomenal in it. Um, even like Oliver Jackson Cohen and I loved him in Haunting of Hill House and he's going to be in the second series as well. You Who can, is he in Hill House? He is Luke Crane. Oh so my he's God. The, like, drug addict. Drug addict. Luke, he's the body. He's no brilliant. Drug addict. Yeah. He yeah. was fantastic yeah. And he's coming back for season two which is the Haunting of yes. Bly Manor. I talked to him about it if you want to look up my interview with him on entertainment.ie either on cool. site or on YouTube um, but yeah. we we talked about it a little because it's um, season two is coming later this year Yeah, to Netflix. Um, but yeah, he features in a very little the sister, the best friends. It really is all down to Elizabeth Moss. And my God, she is just so Fantastic. phenomenal. It's yeah. good yeah. to see her in a role like this where it's kind of back on the AAA leading radar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like it is that thing of she is a really strong actor. Like She mm-hmm. totally com- is absolutely convincing mm. in this. Um and like as Dee was saying, yeah, there are certain parts of this where I think if the acting if the acting wasn't as strong, it would look absolutely ridiculous. Sure, yeah. But I think what's really clever as well is that Lee Wannell does it, and he I think maybe he borrowed a little bit from uh, Paranormal Activity in mm. that. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, it's that thing of like the camera is just dead focused, and there's loads of like it empty, doesn't move. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's loads of empty space in the middle, so your eyes are darting looking for something 
kind of minute. What's he fiddling with? Yeah, yeah what's he yeah. doing? What's he fiddling with? Mm. Like, and you're kind of like, where the fuck is he? What's he doing? I like that a lot. Yeah. And that allows the mm. tension to build in you as Again, you're watching. Again, something it. Hill House used an yeah. awful lot. Mm-hmm. Big wide shots of hallways where you're like, where's the fucking jump coming? Yeah, from? there you go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he also learned his trade from James Wan as well. He's the Correct. co-writer of Saw. And I had no yeah. idea. So what? The, frequent collaborators this is his yeah. first step out it's actually his third feature so he did the third i want to say insidious maybe? yeah okay and then he did upgrade which, which is, is meant crack- to be very good very underrated um so this is his third feature that he's directed right um Bright so yeah future. he's doing he's doing quite well for himself yeah. fair play i also actually interviewed him alongside um producer and Blumhouse founder Jason Blum and that interview is on site as well and we had an interesting conversation he was very um, kind of hesitant to speak about being attached to write the Escape from New York remake so I suppose that's kind of up in the air right now but for that he'd be writing it not directing it but we'll see he's a lot of screenwriter credits what do people search to find that Um, I don't know what What? would you look up entertainment.ie yeah just look up (laughs) entertainment.ie Video just enjoy interviews. the site They're for a while. It's a great yeah, site. Great I tell you site. what, though, I will say this. I think this is a great idea. Um, the Invisible Man and how that's one of the, the Universal monsters. That whole, mm. Remember the whole Dark Universe yeah. thing? Yeah. This is a far better idea. The idea of just taking the kernel of an idea, yes, giving it to a director and just saying, right, here's one million, two million, three million make a small film that will have a real strong focus that's on your still vision. kind of using the ip or whatever that's exactly. so true because yeah. sure we had the mummy yeah i remember we were going to get a johnny depp invisible man yeah and then that, it was going to be yeah. like javier bardem was going to be frankenstein and angelina jolie was going to be it's late. like you can see them all on paper and why universal mm. was like we own this we should make these silly movies but yeah, no, Absolutely. hopefully it's it's kind of not too dissimilar to the Joker in that kind of... Exactly that. ...toying that, with the world. Yeah, even just like the idea of like, there is this kernel of an idea that you can take and you can do anything with it. So yeah, definitely. And 30 seconds if you've had one IP that you could tangentially use for a very intimate picture, what would you make? Wolfman. What? Yeah, I would love to see... Uh, another take on the Wolfman because the one that Joe Johnston did with Benicio del Toro and Anthony Hopkins was shit. It rocked. It was. It terrible. was like Van Helsing, which yeah. also rocked. See, there you go. I, I love Van Helsing. I, I am so happy to find sick. it. I'm so he's happy to find it. He's got a crossbow find. that shoots like a revolver and he has lots of bolts in it. I um, love Van Helsing. I love that movie. It's so silly and fun. And Hugh Jackman looks great and Kate Beckinsale is in a corset and they're fighting monsters. Yeah. And it's, it's a great Can movie. Can I just say as well, one of the most satisfying times on this podcast was saying, no rebuttals at the end of the <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember what point we were making. All right, bye. <laughs> on to an Elizabeth Moss interview. Elizabeth, congratulations on The Invisible Man. Thank you. And on your incredible career that you've had so far, I have to say. It's been incredible. Thank you very much. Oh, five minutes is up. I think that was good. <laughs> Perfect. Nice compliment. We move right along. <laughs> what I loved about this feature was that it kind of reminded me of a couple of like kind of more recent projects you've done, like The Handmaid's Tale, even The Kitchen last year, in that you're playing these women who are really fighting for survival in these worlds that are kind of dominated by men who are very controlling, who are abusive. Would you ever see your characters as having commonalities and would you ever draw from, say, a role you've previously played for a current one? Oh, yeah, for 
sure. It does seem sort of like a lot of that, doesn't it? Just think about that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that our film, our, our film and television, and you know, art in general, whether it's music or literature, whatever it is, tends to sort of start to reflect what we're talking about, right? And starts mm. to reflect what we're feeling. And um, I think as women, we are exploring that right now because it's what we're thinking and we're talking about. And started it in kind of Mad Men in a different way, but in mm-hmm. this is this Handmaid's Tale kind of coincided with the political movement, obviously, in, in, in my country, and then um, then Me Too and Time's Up, and I, it had, it, we are sort of talking about it a lot. So I feel like the, the projects that I sort of am attracted to right now do kind of, are kind of a part of that conversation. You know, maybe it'll be something different in a few years, but yeah, right now it is to be... Or just repeating myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, because that's actually something I was going to ask you about. I find it really interesting. You know, you've been very kind of select with the projects you've picked. You've kind of gone for a range of, you know, movies, TV, um, theatre as well. What is it about a project that makes you think, I absolutely have to do this? Is it down to the script? Is it down to the character? What it's about? It's really just the script. Yeah. Um, It's really just how good the script is and how good the material is. I can't really do a lot with not not a good script. It's really difficult. It makes my job really hard and I don't like to work too hard. So I prefer to have good material and then to be able to just build off of that and add add to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really lucky in my life that I've gotten to work with some really great writers. And Lee, Lee wrote an incredible script, honestly. It was, it didn't change that much mm-hmm. from what is in the film. Yeah, yeah. And how do you find the process of getting into your character? Because I'd imagine that it must be like quite kind of mentally taxing kind of to go into that place and come out again. I wish I could tell you some sort of really serious dramatic actor thing, but I can't. I just I'm not very good at being um, very serious at work. (laughs) And I prefer to be um, the class clown. I was voted. I, we did a superlatives thing. Do you know what superlatives yeah. are? I, I you wouldn't. Sorry, books? I'm from Ireland. You're from Ireland. <laughs> you, 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 your books, though? Yeah, your school? books. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we, we get superlatives, superlatives like class okay. clown, most popular, best oh, personality yeah. and stuff. That's a superlative. We did it on Mad Men. We had a yearbook at the end of the show, and I got oh, yeah. class clown. Amazing. Yeah, that's that's what I prefer. I think sets should be fun. Everyone's working really hard and long hours and sometimes not for a lot of money. So I think I think it should be a fun atmosphere. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose that kind of helps with kind of getting out of the intensity of it as well. It's kind yeah, of joking about it. It's exhausting. Yeah. I can't imagine being a method actor. <laughs> like, no wonder Daniel Day-Lewis is like, I'm good. It's like to be that good for that long and that method is just that must be really tiring. I hope you don't mind me asking briefly about The Handmaid's Tale just because I think it's such a phenomenal character. June is such an inspiration. In your mind, I know that none of us know exactly how it's all going to end up, but what kind of ending would you like to imagine for her character? Um, I think there's an ending that I kind of like would personally like as far as like, I would like her to end up on an island with like both Luke and Nick and (laughs) both of their kids and everyone just live this like weird island life. Um, I think the producer me wants something else which is I think that we should be true to the tone of the mm-hmm. of the book and as you remember that how that that book ends if you do yeah. it's not oh, as happy so. unfortunately yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, one I always like to ask, and this is really just for fun, Elizabeth, yeah. is can you tell us um, maybe three of your favorite movies of all time, say ones that <gasps> have inspired you over the years, ones you're always going back to rewatching? Okay. That's hard. 
Well, When Harry Met Sally is my favorite movie of all time. Brilliant. Brilliant choice. Then I would go with Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> Rom-com fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, third? Oh, man. Okay. I think maybe All About Eve is one of yeah. I, if I, that's That's what comes to mind. I mean, there's a lot of other films, but I have to say All About Eve is one that I will watch over and over and over again. That's a gorgeous one, yeah. I feel like it's a real kind of actor's movie as well, you know? It really is. It's about <laughs> acting. It's so obvious. <laughs> Brilliant, perfect. Well, we'll leave it there, Elizabeth. Thank, thank you so you. much, and congratulations again on The Invisible Man. Thank it's you phenomenal. very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I kind of like that we ended up like reflecting on Elizabeth Moss's career overall. And I also love that she gave a shout out to All About Eve as one of her uh, favorite movies. I was like, that's such an actor's yeah. choice. And even she was like, ugh, kind of is. Like, I love that she's so like self-aware that way. She was very, very cool to talk to. I am so glad that she is as incredible in real life as she seems in her movies. Yeah, there you go. legend. Didn't bring up Scientology. Oh. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Way to put a downer on it there, Owen. I also didn't bring up in my Jason Blum thing the thing you said about women directors. You just don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. Or the fact that he was a protege of Harvey Weinstein. Look, let's no. not. That's <laughs> a not. good, clean podcast. Uh, review number two, Dark Waters. Do you've seen this? I've seen this. Mark Ruffalo yeah. as Aaron Brockovich. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's fine. Give us the synopsis <laughs> real quick because it's quite a complex tale. So he plays Robert Bilcott. This is all based on a true story, by the way. A corporate lawyer from Cincinnati who takes on an environmental lawsuit against one of the greatest, as in biggest, corporations in the world, DuPont, which is behind like Tefla and stuff like this. Um, Foxcatcher. That was the DuPont. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that where the title... Yeah, Does... Foxcatcher Farm was their, was their, like, manor, like, their house. So, like, granddaddy DuPont set up a serious yeah. oil business? Chemicals? Chemicals. Chemicals. It was, a, it was, like, a chemical factory. Like, they did, like... Um, DuPont made, like, Jesus, they made napalm for fucking Vietnam and the 60s and all this kind of stuff. Because like, even that... Like, when I was saying Aaron Brockovich, isn't that literally the plot of Aaron Brockovich? I suppose so. Have you not seen Eric Brockovich? No, I have seen it. <laughs> when when Brian has seen the movie, he'll start talking about it right away. When he hasn't seen the movie, he'll start talking about something else right away. Yes. I'm just pointing that out, Brian. That's it's true. It's freaking annoying. What? <laughs> pew, pew, pew. You had so anyway, many notes prepared. So Dark Waters. <laughs> um, it's really well acted. It's really well directed. It's Todd Haynes, who people will recognize from. He did Far From Heaven. He did Carol more recently. Over the years, he's done some quite good, quite well-reviewed movies. There's like Velvet Goldmine and uh, stuff good. like that. He does kind of lean in quite heavy into like um, melodrama. I think Far mm. From Heaven is particularly a strong example of that. And I feel like you get that again in... Uh, dark waters you have you know these kind of big lines like you know but i defend chemical companies and the farmers are like well now you can defend me and okay, then it's all yeah. like they lied to us they said they were defending us but they lied you know just mark ruffalo doing yeah. his kind of loud the classic boardroom shot mark of like yeah. what are we gonna do yeah this? yeah and mm. it's just got all your cliches like the wife being all like you have to be careful there and eventually they start fighting and the kind of making a big scene at a corporate dinner thing and oh, i don't know okay. like it's got all the bits yeah I don't know it just kind of struck me as a bit kind of cliched and while it is like well acted and well directed I was kind of repulsed by how obviously it was going for 
the Oscar bait. Like okay. it was it was trying so hard. And in the end, no one bit. So I don't think it's just me who found it kind of just, just overly cliched and a bit kind of formulaic and even kind of it dragged a bit in times. So I, I don't even want to start about how many drive by shots. Really? I swear to God, like I was getting so sick. They were just at the start of the film or through the middle or through them. the end. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, look at all the damage that DuPont has done. It's like we get it after like four shots. You oh, know? what? Of just like decrepit neighborhoods or yeah, whatever? Okay, yeah, there yeah. were so many of those. And what about from a like public service perspective? If it's based on true story, are they like, uh, are movies like this obliged to hold a mirror up and say, this really happened? Or is it? Is it slapping it about the face a bit too much? No, I mean, like, it is kind of like like it's an important movie. You yeah. know, it's important to get the message out there with kind of... Like, Just wish it had been a bit... Highlighting these movies Less a bit. marmally told. It is, yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit kind of, I don't know, it's a bit self-righteous or something, <laughs> which was kind of annoying me. I also have to bring up another thing, which I know um, some people have kind of been irked by this but can Mark Ruffalo actually act because I just feel like he's playing Mark Ruffalo in a lot of his movies and even though I do think he does really well in the third act of this movie because his character really starts to come under the pressure of the case and like he's having health problems and you can see how stressed out he is at work and stuff like that in that act I felt like he came into his own but besides that he's just kind of doing his Mark Ruffalo thing I don't know maybe it's just me he's quite woke Politically as well. Yeah. He, like it feels like he would have taken an interest in something like this and run with it. I think he was even against the Irish Shannon the fracking gas thing. Line. Yeah. 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 He was involved. I remember actually he was on, um, he was on the last word. He was doing a lot of interviews over here because there was a, th- I, th- I think there was a thing in the doll recently, in like the last six months about they were trying to, they're actually going to import frack. Yeah. 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 yeah import. And he was like trying to campaign against it and stuff mm. like that. So I'd say, for somebody like Mark Ruffalo, he probably didn't. He probably knew himself that this script was a bit weak, and he probably knew that it was being a little bit heavy-handed. But he was like, "I fucking believe in this, yeah. so I'm gonna do it no matter what." I don't know if he saw it as weak because he he gets all the kind of lines and stuff. That's another kind right. of downside aside I saw to it is that I thought that kind of his last like really great movie, aside from obviously you know Endgame, was probably um, Spotlight. But yes. in Spotlight, yeah. you had the big ensemble whereas this it was kind of Mark Ruffalo was running the show and like Tim Robbins yeah. and whatchamacallit Bill Pullman I'm and Anne Hathaway come uh, in occasionally but I, I thought for them pushing it so hard as this being the next spotlight the ensemble was missing you know mm. Bill Pullman though he's back he does his Bill Pullman yeah I can already <laughs> picture it <laughs> he does his Bill B- Pullman speech thing I don't know does I he just... do a Bill Pullman speech obviously oh yeah. Bill Pullman <laughs> Does he say the words Independence Day? (laughs) We're going to live on. (laughs) Me, actually, this is the perfect shite talk segue that uh, you guys live for. (laughs) Me and my friends have, one of my favorite games is to take famous movie ensembles and recast them in the worst way you can think of. But it has to have a seed of truth somehow. But the one that always made me laugh most was Bill Pullman as Aragorn. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, that's awful. It was just this idea of recasting the Fellowship Ugh. of the Ring with like, oh, like, like that it, one's really out there, but it needs to be like a step to the left, like Johnny Depp as Legolas. I was gonna say, uh, like, if you're gonna like transpose like the Independence Day ensemble cast into Lord of the Rings, <laughs> like Jeff Goldblum would clearly be Gandalf. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Will's you know, Frodo. Yeah, Will Smith would be Frodo. No. 
you Stop know. Stop ruining the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> so upsetting. Sauron could be Gary Shandling. Yeah, Randy Quaid would be Gimli. Like, this thing just writes itself. <laughs> Come okay. on. Like. <laughs> what did you give Dark Waters? I gave it three in the end. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Like, a lot of people really loved it, but I feel like I'd be in the camp of being like, yeah, I can I can see what it's going for, but I'm not biting. Mm. I didn't ask about the review for the first uh, Invisible Man. I uh, think I gave it three. I would have ah. given it a four. Really? Yeah, you I, seem the, I like when there's a bit of a difference here. Yeah, yeah no, I definitely, I would have given Invisible Man four, yeah. I mean, like, it's... I, these points are, are, are correct. It's, she's absolutely right. It's just, I personally, I really, it really dinged my uh, bell. Is that not the right That's phrase? Chris, I know. Yeah, um, you looked up for me and you said that. Yeah, I dinged my no, bell. No, 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 we're moving on. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, I think it. it is though to do with personal experience of the yeah. film because I can understand where Brian was coming from because like I said, I think a lot of people who saw it feel that way but yeah. like, that's where I was coming from At least too. it's an interesting take on it yeah. or something. Um, we have got Downhill, the Force Majeure remake starring Will Ferrell and Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Well, that's good. Yeah, she's great. And there, actually, she's in Seinfeld as well, so oh, there's there another reason for you to watch yeah, it. Yeah. Um, we have an interview with Zach Hill on entertainment.ie, who is the co-star of Downhill. That will be on site later today, which Ooh. you can read. Yeah. Did you talk to him over the phone? I sure did. He, I was like 25 minutes on the phone with him. He was really, really sound. Um, unfortunately, Downhill is... Just a down step from uh, Force Majeure. Give us a bit of backstory. So it's essentially Will Ferrell and Julie Louis Dreyfus are this, uh, you know, married couple. They're going on a ski trip. Um, Will Ferrell's character is a little bit selfish. He's a little bit sort of not sure if he wants to continue on being married. His young friend, who's played by Zach Hill, is like living this very sort of bohemian life, if you yeah. like. And uh, when one of the days on the on the snow trip, um, there is what appears to be an avalanche, but it's not an avalanche. It just looks like an avalanche. Mm. He, uh, Will Ferrell's character, gets up and runs away from his family <laughs> while Julie Louis-Dreyfus and their two kids huddle together. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's not an avalanche. He walks back to them and then there's that thing of like... The consequence. The consequence yeah, of yeah, like, yeah. hey, you just fucking ran away from us. He took his phone. Took his phone and ran like... <laughs> literally that. He grabbed his phone and ran. And he was like, I was running to get help. He was like, what help? It was an avalanche. See, this... Okay. It's a great concept. It in is fairness. A, that's yeah. it. And the original is so good as a, it's so a character study of what happens when something like that absolutely rips like, people apart absolutely because the whole thing about force majeure was that anyone you know anyone in that scenario would be like what the fuck would you do would you actually do it like you like to think that you'd help them but you wouldn't really yeah like, yeah yeah or maybe you would, or maybe you wouldn't. Who but knows? At the like, same time, like you're kind of fighting your natural instincts, the whole fight or flight thing. I think, in fairness, I think the majority of people, their instinct would be run away, save yeah. yourself, because you kind of have to actively think of other people. It's not like okay, human, yeah. mm. like the like the ba- most basic human instinct is survival. Yeah. So I'm just saying that in defense of the oh, no, no, totally. self-centered dad. Even if you have kids, <laughs> that's that's a fair rebuttal. That I'll is a allow that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I don't I know. Don't. I don't have children, so I am still selfish. I'd be long gone. <laughs> <laughs> Inside of the vending machine. Yeah, it's just like oh, yeah, it <laughs> the little cloud, you know, that you leave behind when you yeah. run away. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. But it's no. It's funny because like 
uh, you know, Force and you'd seen the original too. Oh uh, yeah, I saw. No, yeah. yeah, I actually. It was funny. I watched Downhill first. Okay, and okay. then I went and watched Force Majeure because even from the trailer of Downhill, they're going for the same vibe and everything. Mm-hmm. Is everything it, is it really similar? It's very very similar, but it is that thing of force majeure has some sort of quality to it and it's not subtitles is it it's not the subtitles no but like it is that thing of you know and like james james Wall anderson he wrote the review for the site and he gave it three stars that was generous i would have given it two and a half stars right Mm. but i think there's something in the original in that you know maybe it's something in how we automatically associate Julie Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell with different kinds of comedy. Mm -hmm. Mm. Like, you think of Will Ferrell, you think of Anchorman, or you think of, I don't know, Step Brothers, or any of these kind of things. Like, he's done low-key comedy in the past, and the only one I can think of is Stranger Than Fiction. That's exactly, he's done this kind of almost Walter Mitty-esque kind of, Stranger Than Fiction is a really weird movie. It's a really weird movie. It's the same kind of rundown guy. I kind of really liked it. It is. It is. It's really good, but he's he's playing against type. That's yes. what I would say. He's mm. playing against type. Julie Louis-Dreyfus, again, same thing as well. We know her from... Like, Veep, from, from especially. Veep, yeah, from yeah. Seinfeld, uh, from Enough Said. She's able to do these really kind of... I don't want to say cynical characters, but like characters... Kind with of a cutthroat, re- funny... Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like even Elaine Bennis in Seinfeld, like she was... She could be a bitch when she wanted to be. Perfectly, yeah. Yeah, and like that was part of her quality. So... Mm-hmm. In the case of Julie Louis-Dreyfus, we're watching her, again, playing against type because she's playing this mother who is devoted to her children, devoted to her husband, and she's betrayed by her husband. So you're kind of watching it thinking, I'm, my brain can't catch up with you being different in this. Yes. And I get the sense that, like, if, if, if they had cast somebody else, maybe it would have been better. Mm. But even even leaving that aside it's that thing of it's very similar to force majeure to the point of like what really are you doing here except just shooting this again and you're getting rid of the subtitles but is this the rationale behind movies like this where it's like it's been a few i think what force majeure is 2012 2012 yeah it's like oh that's had its run let's get more eyes on this plot yeah and it doesn't matter if it's verbatim or yeah or what are the rules around there i know they brought uh it's Jesse Armstrong on this. Yeah, Jesse Armstrong who wrote Succession. Yeah, yeah and they got show. Yeah, and Nat Faxon and Jim Rash who did like The Way Way Back and all that kind of thing. Like they got really strong talent on this. And like that's it. Like th- it, this thing has everything going for it. But it is that thing of it just doesn't connect. Like, Do you think would you enjoy it? It's, it well, actually you can say. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I watched, I watched Downhill and then I watched Force Majeure. And when you left Downhill... It wasn't like, oh, that was a great idea. I was watching it was like, okay, that's kind of funny. Yeah, it had its few moments. I did laugh. Then I went to watch Force Majeure and I was laughing my ass off. No yeah. way. And like, not even laughing my ass off, but I was really like, oh God, oh it's God. It's a bit more visceral or something. It's just a little bit more tighter. It's a little bit more realistic. And I think perhaps... I almost feel it's a bit surreal at times as well. It, it does, feels like it? the Outlook Hotel or something. Yeah, yeah. It has that kind of clinical kind of like detached detachment that yes. a lot of... Swedish films have like and another great film that the guy did was um very quickly is The Square which is this film oh, about yeah. the art world yeah and oh, that's a picture in the circle that is a, that's a bonkers movie yeah. The Square it's bonkers and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss Elizabeth Moss as well ah, yeah, yeah to bring it back around to bring it back circle. around yeah around in a square hey! 
see you going for in a circle, and I was like, in a square. It's because I'm still thinking about that awful Tom Hanks, the circle. Emma movie. Watson, oh, right? Yeah. Emma Watson, I heard bad yeah. things. I didn't see oh, it. It was awful. Mm. But um, downhill, like, yeah, no, it's. I mean, I think people will turn up to see this out of curiosity because they're like, oh, it's Will Ferrell and it's Julie Lou Dreyfus. That's the thing. They're leaning into the star power. Very I much assume, so. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I know, it's a shame. And that's it for this week's show. No! <laughs> I've had a great time. We have, we're going to look ahead to next week. Do you guys know what's coming up? You do. Brian doesn't because he's giving me a look. I love this. It's um, Onward, which I'm really, really excited to talk about. You saw this about. today. I saw it just today. I'm still like beaming from it. So hopefully it'll wow. be the same when we talk about it in a week's time. Give us it in one um, word there. Oh, just. <laughs> That's enough. Fan- <laughs> just. <laughs> ah, yay. <laughs> That'll do. Two words. You love um, Pixar though. I freaking love Pixar. I love it oh, so much. Um, and then we'll also be talking about uh, the true history of the Kelly gang which I'm really, really excited to see. I think it looks really, really, really interesting from the trailers. Something different. George yeah. McKay. George yeah. McKay, yeah, from 1917. Uh, yeah, no, looking forward to that. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, do please hit subscribe and tell your friends as we want to get the word out about this podcast on the internet. Yeah, the internet. And follow us on Twitter. At The Film Show. It's a good podcast. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.